Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the World Cup 2022 podcast. I'm your host, Owen, along with Josh tonight. And before we get into some of the specifics around the matchups and what the results mean for the United States in the round of 16 and beyond, I want to just run through the results real quick uh, for each of the groups because we now have groups A, B, C, and D all wrapped up with their games uh, for the group stage of this World Cup. So Senegal had a bit of an upset yesterday and were able to beat Ecuador in that game, becoming one of the teams in this tournament that has lost their first game and advanced on six points. So fascinating uh, storyline there. We've had three teams that have done that after talking about this 11% metric. Uh, But Senegal advances as number two in that group. The Netherlands took care of business against Qatar, which we expected. They beat them 2-0. So uh, the Dutch topped that group and move through to the round of 16 in first place for Group A. Wales against England yesterday. England beat Wales 3-0. That game was a dominant showing by England. Wales held on for for, a good solid 45 minutes, but ultimately just was not enough. Marcus Rashford coming out after the half, along with Phil Foden and, and, and putting some goals through on them. So Wales crashes out along with Iran in Group B after the U.S. defeated Iran yesterday 1-0. So Group A is Netherlands first, Senegal second that are going through. Group B is England first, United States second as the teams that are going through. In Group C, we had Poland and Argentina playing, as well as Mexico, Saudi Arabia. And we talked about these matchups a little bit, but uh, Mexico-Saudi Arabia game ended up being just a third-place playoff Uh, Ultimately, Mexico beating Saudi Arabia 2-1. They could not find the third goal. Saudi Arabia pulling one back late in that game. And Mexico and Saudi Arabia are both packing bags because they came third and fourth, respectively, in that group. Argentina beat Poland 2-0. Argentina now tops this group after losing their first match. So we talked about Senegal after losing their first match, going through in second place. Argentina goes through in first place in this group after losing their first game to Saudi Arabia. They beat Poland 2-0 in this one, which ultimately was not enough to see Mexico go through, even though they ended on the same amount of points. In Group D, we saw Tunisia play France. France didn't just change a couple of players. They changed their entire lineup, and it showed. They were disjointed. Uh, They were not passing the ball well. They didn't really create any chances until you saw Griezmann and Mbappe come on later in the game. Tunisia ultimately snuck away with a 1-0 win here in sort of an irrelevant win for them, unfortunately, because in our other game, Australia defeated Denmark 1-0. Go Socceroos. So the Socceroos are through to the round of 16 along with France in that group. France coming first in that group despite their 1-0 loss to Tunisia today and Australia going through in second place, having lost their first game against France but winning their second two to advance. Again, another fascinating storyline. It's the third team so far that have lost their first game and then still gone through uh, and qualified for the round of 16. We have a couple of opportunities to see that more tomorrow. So we'll talk about some of the games that are happening tomorrow and what they mean for the United States going forward and what they mean for Australia, which consequently they're on the same path now. So uh, we won't have to diverge too far within the table. We'll talk about some of our predictions around those games as well. And then we'll, we'll talk some more about how the United States beat Iran, some of the injury news that we have coming out of that game and what the path to the final is for the United States. So with that said, Josh, what are your thoughts on the games that we didn't get to cover yesterday? And this is excluding the U S game because we're going to do a little bit of uh, we're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on that game, but the games from yesterday and today, what are, what are some of your thoughts on those? You know, man, um, Nothing. I got nothing. I only care about one game, really. You got nothing. 
No, no, I'll say Fair some enough. things. I'm happy that okay, I'm yeah. happy Australia went through. You know, you've been gushing Thank over you. Australia. You've you've been like flirting with him this whole time, and I haven't really had a chance to express my feelings for Australia. So Australia you know, is the girl that I want to take to prom, hands down. Listen, I grew up in the U.S. state of Georgia, and much like Australia. It is where uh, the British Empire decided to send all their criminals um, back in the day. <laughs> they were like, what? These people can't pay debts? We should stick them on a boat and send them places. And the places they sent them were Georgia Australia, and Australia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah. So I've always felt this connection. Like, hey, I'm from this place. And there's this other place out there where the lowest of the low just uh, got dropped off and told... <laughs> So anyway, I thought you were going somewhere with uh, with cricket, but we went straight to uh, straight to prison. That's awesome. Yeah. To, so congratulations, uh, Socceroos. Man, what a game too. I mean, like they just they're obviously outclassed. They were outclassed in every game, if we're honest, just from a pure talent perspective. But yeah, criminals don't have class. They have zero class. If, if there's one thing I know about criminals and just from being your friend, because you're from Georgia, uh-huh. it's that they don't have any class. And in this game, they were outclassed, but they, I mean, they just, they just seem to sneak a goal in every time. I don't oh. know how they do it, but long may it continue because they're up against Argentina next. And I want nothing more than a USA Australia quarterfinal. That would be the stuff of legends. And I'm starting to feel like I can will it into existence. I'm starting probably to feel a bad place to be. Yeah. Um, it's not ideal. Like if I just believe hard enough, it's like Santa Claus. It's like hey. Santa Claus. I believe it, hard enough then he's going to show up. It works for the United States. So uh, maybe, you know, keep on bereaving. Okay. I've, I've got to share this because this is too funny. I just got a text message from a friend of mine. So I was at this event tonight. We go around the corner to this. It's, it's kind of a nice little restaurant that's, that's downtown here. And we're, we just decided to get a cocktail there after this event. And he stayed and had dinner afterwards. And he just sent me a text message with a picture of the receipt. And I don't, I want to see if you can read what that says, that line item. Uh, Something, a card surcharge, maybe? What's that say? Credit card surcharge. What the heck? (laughs) His reply to me is, my brother, it's 2022. (laughs) I'm going to a restaurant and you're charging me a credit card surcharge. Get out of town. That's ridiculous stuff. Not in this Almost as ridiculous as Australia losing their first game and still making it through. Of which we've had three teams do so far. So we're going to have Kazi back onto this show, not to talk through more statistics with us, but but to apologize to the yeah, general he, public for really, feeding us fake news. He, he owes he owes that much to us. He owes that much. He owes that much. I, I So I listened to a, a podcast called Pot on the Tine, which is a Newcastle-specific podcast. And there's a guy on there, Chris Woff, who's a reporter for The Athletic that follows Newcastle. And the other two hosts, George Coughlin and or George Calkin, whatever, and Taylor Payne, they made him read an apology statement <laughs> to open one of their episodes about how he was going to grow as an individual and that he was sorry for what he had said. And it felt very genuine. Like I thought he was getting me too'd. But then after about 90 seconds of this this uh, apology, he says that he's sorry for what he said about Miguel Almiron. So I feel like we need Kazi on here to do a similar apology. Like it needs to be genuine, heartfelt, and it needs to be serious because Uh we now have three teams. I mean, we're at like 23%. You basically, if you lose your first game, you get to go through now. Yeah. I mean, it's not 11% anymore. It's a, that's just statistics. That's just good math. All right, Listen. so England-Wales. Wales, after the game with us, I feel like that was kind of a, a ride-or-die, kind of we have to win this, and then they just got demolished by Iran, all of the all of the rest of their 
spirits were crushed in that game. And so they just kind of capitulated England yesterday, 3-0. It was, it was bad. Another thing that I did call on, what was that, Monday night before the U.S. game, <clears throat> was that I thought France would have a lot of changes to their starting lineup. And they didn't. They had all of the changes to their starting lineup. Yeah. They swapped out every single body except for one central defender, including the goalkeeper. And they lost as a result of it. Hey, listen. Uh, and that was fascinating. Listen, Kanate is good. In fact, he he gets minutes for the best team in the world. But you can't sub out the 10 players around him and expect him to keep a clean sheet, you know? No, you just can't. You just can't do it. So I saw that one was an stat. interesting one. I don't think I don't think he missed a tackle during the group stage. I'm pretty sure he like he had some wild stat. I have to go back and look. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it, and if it's wrong, no one's gonna fact check me. So well, yeah, <laughs> he didn't miss a tackle the entire group stage. His passing accuracy was 100. percent 100. percent And he had a great it looked great like three games. Remote. Great three games. So, yes, he did. And France is through. They're still top this group. But we talked about this the other night. It was it was not just that France had to lose. It was that um, Australia had to win by like seven to zero in order to top this group. So, uh, you know, France rested their players. We'll see if it's one of those scenarios where, you know, you get to the end of an NFL season and 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 the team decides to rest all their best players because they've already locked up the number two buy and they can't get the one or the number one seed. And they've already locked up the number two. So it, sometimes that messes with cohesion. I still tend to feel like, you know, this is a condensed schedule. And right. just to clarify, so I was talking about that condensed schedule of four weeks. So that's not all that uncommon. I think we only have three or four fewer days in this tournament, like the actual match days. But what you see before tournaments is typically players get two weeks off and then they're in their country camp for two to three weeks. So when we talk about that six to seven week window, it's about all of the preparation. They're on the ground. They're getting acclimated to, you know, all the sleep schedules and all that kind of stuff. So that's really where we lost it in this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see if, if France loses some cohesion because uh, they've rested a lot of those players and, and, you know, there's there's a potential impact to chemistry there. Now, their next match isn't the hardest in the world. Do you know off the top of your head who they play, Josh, in that next round? Uh, No, not off the top of my head, but I can... All right, let me... Well, they're Poland. That's what it is. Easy. Poland. Okay. Yeah. So Poland, yeah. I was hoping that we would get Poland because it could have been an Australia-Poland game for the other round of 16 game on, on our side of the bracket, and Poland just they needed a draw or a win against Argentina and they just could not do it. I mean, they came out the same way they did against Mexico, very negative in their play uh, and just not really trying all that much. I mean, they sat in and defended. <clears throat> um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's kind of the end of the recap for, for most of those games, the Saudi Arabia, Mexico game. So the United States is, I think, with 98% certainty now, we'd have to call Kazi in to, to verify that. But it's with like, it's over 95% certainty, the only CONCACAF team that's going to be in, in the round of 16, with Canada, Costa Rica, and Mexico now being eliminated. Costa Rica's got a shot. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of a snowball's chance, though, isn't it? I mean, they're... Their odds. We went through their odds the other day, and it was it was pretty low. Um, but yes, in theory, if they come out and they beat Spain, and it's a Spain team that's still going to be play, or not Spain, sorry, if they come out and they beat, uh, they're playing Germany in their final game. So mm -hmm. if they come out and they beat Germany, who's trying to get through, then maybe. But you know, but it's it's kind of a long shot. So fair. Well. We'll see. We'll see. Um, if they you do know, get through, um, they'll be the second CONCACAF team through. Yeah. I think we mentioned something about teams, you know, we'll see this team again in four years. I had forgotten that 2026 World Cup is going to have 48 teams. They're expanding. 48 teams. 
How wild is yes. that? Yes. So this is, you know, Kazi talked about this the other night, but this is this 32 team format was started in 1998 and this will be the last tournament where, where it's that way. Uh, so 48 in the next tournament, I, they haven't, I don't think they've really nailed down exactly how many teams are getting or how many uh, teams are being increased for each individual region. Right. But they also haven't committed that host nations are guaranteed to qualify. Now I like, I like the U S Mexico and Canada all making it, especially in a 48 team field. Uh But I I think that, and you know, we can, uh, we've been very critical, openly critical about Qatar and, and just kind of how this world cup landed. I think FIFA is, if you have not looked at FIFA uncovered on Netflix, go watch it. It's, fascinating the story that they tell about basically the foundation of fifa was corruption the way that sepp Blatter even got his presidency in fifa was by forcing the first major president of fifa to resign because he found a 1.5 million dollar wire transfer so he blackmailed the other president into resigning and then you know continued the corruption train so you know how qatar got this world cup is one thing not great but I think that I, I would make the argument, I'd love your opinion here, Josh, that it is extremely beneficial to have host nations automatically qualify because I think it elevates, we see it with Japan and, and Korea. They're the best example of this. It elevates the play of that generation that gets involved in it and you know really kind of lives and breathes it. And those host nations typically overperform uh, and you know, Qatar is just kind of a, a silly nation for, for this to be held in, but I like it. I like it a lot. And I don't know if you have a different perspective on that. Yeah. I guess if you're just talking about the, the sport for the country, then yes. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of like economic work that goes into the impact of stadiums being built in cities and stuff and how those are funded and especially things that like, you know, if it's like an arena in the United States and it's built in a big city, they might have concerts and stuff throughout the week and then there's sporting events on the weekend and it's at least like fairly regularly used. Whereas if you go back to like um, your South Africa World Cup in 2010 or this World Cup in, in 2022, like how much use are these stadiums going to get um, beyond the World Cup? Um, they're, they're humongous stadiums, brand new. Um they're probably going to get like some relatively small club stuff uh, going on, but uh, they're not like necessarily multi-use the way uh, the way some sporting venues can be. So I think economically, um, I think it could be kind of a negative thing for a country to to have something like the Olympics or the World Cup. But uh, just focusing on the soccer aspect alone, yeah, it could, it could be a big boost. Um, for a generation or so. So we'll see if it plays out for the uh, Qatar. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about whether they, they double down in the Aspire Academy. We'll see how that works out. I do think that FIFA has, you know, after this, the whole debacle of the 2015, 2016 indictments of all the, all the FIFA executive committee, uh, which I found out through watching that documentary that CONCACAF was really kind of the epicenter of that, unfortunately, and really the Caribbean within CONCACAF. Uh, but the U.S. had a very, very heavy involvement in that. Um, I do think that FIFA has kind of a renewed sense of duty to not put an undue burden on countries that that are that are hosting. And so, you know, I think that the U.S., Canada, Mexico, multi-country host, but also countries that have a significant amount of stadium infrastructure already, uh-huh. is going to be the model going forward. So I hope that that doesn't exclude nations entirely. Uh, maybe they can lower the bar to, you know, you can have stadiums that have 35,000 seats in them. Uh, yeah. Instead of all of them having to be 45 plus. So we'll see. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about that U.S. game, Josh. So give me your give me your first take, your initial take on it. How did you feel about it? Uh, what were the positives and negatives? Uh, and, and, and what did what did I call that was right? Yeah, can I tell you a story? This is this is a fun story. I love stories. So, yeah, I went to this brewery in town to watch the game. Bunch of U.S. fans there. Um, not a lot of Iranian fans there, but um, 
Anyway, a bunch of U.S. fans there. We're at this brewery. We're watching the game. It's all right. Like, first half, da-da-da-da. And then uh, the power goes out in the building. (laughs) And we're just like, what the heck? So it was like, just, it was just like open play, like power goes out. We're like, oh, this is done. And it didn't come on right away. So people start pulling their phones out and stuff. And I get my phone out. It's like one of the first ones to pull the game up. And it's like, there's like a player line on the ground. We're trying to figure out what happened. I look up in the corner and it's showing one zero. So one zero. Like, like, what the heck? (laughs) What happened? Uh, So, uh, yeah, I didn't see the goal. Power was out. First one country. Saw the replays. Twenty twenty two. Yes, I saw the replays. Um, that hurts, Josh. I'm sorry you had to. Do that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? I'll live. But um, I was panicking because I couldn't get YouTube TV to execute the 4K upgrade. Oh, yeah. So I was like panicking about that, you know. So I didn't get I didn't get to watch the game in 4K, but it didn't. The power didn't go out, so. Yeah, the story of two yeah. Americas right there. Yeah, seriously. That's right. Um, um, I felt like it was pretty nervy. Um, they certainly had some... I mean, there weren't that many shots that they got off. Um, but they had some, some ones that, you know... I mean, <laughs> there were a couple of like, I'm pretty sure I could have converted that one. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was not a... An overwhelming show of force, but uh, hey, got the job done, and um, and I'm happy with that. You do some of your so, uh, you do some of your actual analysis, please. Yeah, so I think this was kind of a tale of two games, and one of the things I didn't like was the substitutions. So I liked the way that we started. Um, I don't. I, I'm. I'm sad to see Josh Sargent go down. I think that his injury might end up being. And you can look this up while we're talking about this because I, you know, I looked up the updates a few hours ago and didn't find anything. But I think his update, his uh, injury updates are going to be a little bit, uh, a little more negative than than Pula Six. Um, I would argue Christian Pula Six a lot more important to the team. So, you know, is that the end of the world if we lose Josh Sargent? I don't think so. Um, I'm a big advocate for playing. Uh, Timo is what I found out he likes to be called. Not not Timothy and not Tim Wea. Uh, I'm a big advocate of of playing him through the middle. So I I hope that we kind of we come out similarly to how we did in this game from a formation perspective, and that a lot of these guys are able to go a full ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we took off Dest and when we took off Pulisic and when Sargent went down, we lost all of our attacking teeth. Um, yeah. I thought that Dest played the best game that he's played in this World Cup, maybe the best game I've ever seen in a U.S. jersey for him. Uh, he was he was incredible just in his overlapping runs and, and the interchange with him and Wea, the, the understanding there is really great. Um I unfortunately, I, I spoke wrong in the last podcast when I said that Yunus Musa was going to continue to rack up those teenage minutes because he turned 20 yesterday. And I didn't, I didn't realize that he was turning 20. Yesterday was his 20th birthday. Yeah. So he's know, locked uh, in at having yeah, it really, it really slightly puts a halt to those. Yeah. Yeah. It, it hurts. You can't get any more teenage minutes when you turn 20. So he, he does take over Christian Pulisic in pretty much every category tied on number of caps but has more starts so that's something and has more minutes and the kid is immense uh, you could see he had no legs left at the end of the game i think that was part of the reason they had so much pressure is you basically had a tyler adams who's i think they said he's run like 26 miles so far in this tournament um played every single minute he was the only one that was really able to cover ground uh, they brought on Kellen Acosta, who is not good. Uh, he he's he's played better. I'll say that um, he was pretty underwhelming in this game. Weston McKinney is still again. He's working back to fitness. He's played what progressively slightly more. He played like 60, 62 and 65. So 
the hope would be that he can get to 75 or 80 and, and maybe, you know, we're in a spot where it's comfortable at that point. Uh, I just, I don't want us to be forced in to making subs that make us negative. Yeah. Because if we do that against the Dutch, we're going to get punished. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I thought this game, we had it very well in hand and we looked really, really good until some of those changes started to happen because I felt like Burhalter made negative substitutions. He made substitutions that, that sort of took us out of the game from a tactic perspective. I did like the Cameron Carter Vickers instead of Zimmerman. Um, I hope that long may it continue because Zimmerman, his big problem is that he's just, he's looked really, really uncomfortable passing to anybody that's not named Tim Ream. And I, I think that Carter Vickers, while he might not be as good airily, I think he did fine but he definitely pressed harder and he was more comfortable carrying the ball. And he even got some of those cross field passes in, which I just think is really, really important about, you know, with how we play in transition. So I'd like to see him continue to play. And, and this was his first game ever playing with Tim Ream. That's an important thing to note. It was his first game ever playing with Tim Ream and, you know, chemistry matters. And so they'll get a lot more comfortable in the second game. Uh, if, if that partnership continues and, and Walker Zimmerman stays out. So those were my big thoughts with that game. Love that we won. This is a big deal. And yeah. we said this earlier in the week that, you know, of all the teams between Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands, this was the team that I wanted to see most. And I think you agreed with that too. I think I wanted to see uh, Senegal, but. So I'm wrong and that's fine. Uh, Ecuador is the team I think we both least wanted to see. So that is at least correct. we have uh, some some level of consensus here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking now. As of now, it looks like the U.S. players who have injury concerns are kind of tentatively will be ready Saturday. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And, yeah, I think if we get in a position where we uh, take our attacking players out of it um if if we only really have one option someone like van dyke is going to shut them down pretty easily um there needs to be there needs to be multiple attacking uh options on the field to to defeat a team like the netherlands yep yep absolutely and and uh set piece is going to be a big deal because van dyke is just as good at defending them as he is attacking them uh-huh. So you're going to see a lot of that. Gakpo, we've talked about him. He's already in contention for Golden Boot. He's got three goals in this tournament, and he's six four, playing on a wing for the Netherlands. So we really cannot have any of those clumsy fouls that are giving them really, really positive set pieces. We can't allow a ton of corners. Um, but you know, as we look at analyzing that game even further, I think that the U.S. has an opportunity. I think that we have more talent in midfield. And I also think that our formation lines up very, very well against the Netherlands. So the Netherlands has played in this tournament and it could change against the U S but they've played a back three mm -hmm. with two, two wing backs, which means that they don't have a lot of width on the field. Um, at least not on the back ends or on the front end. So it can get congested as we push forward, but what they have seen is that they just, they, they aren't, they haven't been very effective at playing out from the back. They really have to get the ball over midfield and they're missing that engine room midfielder uh, that somebody like a genie Wijnaldum has been for the Dutch team in the last eight to 10 years. Uh, they don't have that person. So I'm hoping that we can win the midfield battle just with energy and youth and, and, you know, more desire because that's really where the game I think is going to be decided if it goes in the U S's favor. Uh, the Dutch will be very, very clinical when they have opportunities. So, yep. you know, if we can if we can limit the midfield exposure or win that midfield battle outright, then I think that we have uh, a really good opportunity. Yeah, big game Saturday. It's huge. It's huge. So, definitely excited about it. Just to kind of uh, let everybody know the the way that this bracket shakes out now, we have. Uh, we will, if we win this game, whoever wins this game, whether it's the Dutch or the U S they will play the winner of Australia and Argentina. So 
it is the second place team from group D and the first place team from group C that are playing uh, for the right to play against the winner of our squad. If you look further down the bracket, you know, provided we get to a point where we have the ability to play Argentina, we can talk about that matchup later. I actually like that matchup. You know, Messi, Messi can win any game, anytime. I think we all understand that, but I like that matchup otherwise. And you look further down the bracket and the left side of this bracket is the better side to be on, which is the side that we're on. I mean, you have a lot of the other major powerhouses on the right side. The one major exception, if everything shakes out the way we think it will, uh, is probably going to be Spain. So I think Spain will fall into uh, the bottom half of the bracket on our side. But it looks like, if I'm reading this right, that you will have Germany if they come through. England and France are already on the other side. Brazil on the other side. So a lot of the other major powerhouses uh, that that you don't really want to see in your path to the to the semifinal and final are on the other side. So that's a positive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I fell in love with watching soccer in the dynasty where Spain from like 2008 to 2012 was just unbelievable. Like such a good squad. So amazing to watch. Um, and they're they're not there currently, but they're still very, very formidable. So yeah, I think uh I think they go pretty far, uh assuming like you said it shakes out that they're on our half of the bracket. Yeah, they're they're a good team. They are not that team. You're right. Um, you know, you don't have the Iniesta, you don't have the Shabby Alonso. You don't have the David Silva. You also don't have the finishers further up the field like Fernando Torres. Uh, but yeah, David Villa. Yeah, yeah, and Villa. Um, but you do have similar to the U.S. Actually, in a lot of respects, a very youthful, energetic midfield. And player for player, all of the Spanish ones are better than all of the U.S. ones. I hate to say it, but it's just the truth. Uh, yep. So you know. That's going to be an any given Sunday kind of scenario, and hopefully, hopefully, it's the one in ten Sunday that that we get if we end up lining up against them. All right, so let's look ahead a little bit, Josh, before we wrap up today to the matches tomorrow, and if they carry any significance for the U.S., I'll answer that question first. Not at this point. We're looking at, um, you know. Games that, in some cases, don't mean too terribly much. Uh, are there teams that we should root for? Maybe, but let's uh, let's start with the early block. There we have Croatia, Belgium, and Canada, Morocco. Who do you like in those games? And let's just remind people real quick how the standings sit for mm-hmm. those teams. So, Croatia sitting in first place on four points. Morocco second. Belgium third. Canada already eliminated. Yeah. So who do you like those those matches there with Croatia and Belgium? Croatia Belgium's tough to call. Um as far as potential goes, um I I would give it to Belgium, but as far as recent form goes, it's I lean toward Croatia. Um Yeah, that's tough. I'm not really sure. I don't know. Um I think I I think I still Lean toward Belgium. Um, but so I just to I... kind of give the scenario here. So Croatia is on four points, right? So yeah. if Belgium win this game sitting on three, then they're guaranteed to go through. They'll be up Correct. to six. Um, Morocco playing Canada. I like Morocco's chances. They've looked really, really good. Uh-huh. Um, and so they go out and beat Canada. They're on seven. So that means Croatia does not go through on four points. Um, I'm going to just, I'm going to have to disagree with you because I think that Croatia is actually the better team. I think on paper, Belgium's a better team, but I also think that on paper, Man United's maybe the best team in the Premier League. Are you kidding? And we all know that that's just not true. 
This is a joke, right? I can't. I can't tell. Yeah. Yes, it's a joke. Um. Let, yeah. let me let me say that. Based on price tag, they are the best team in the Premier League because they waste all of their money on terrible players. Yeah. And then they coach them into the ground and make them worse somehow. Yeah, I was so for those who don't know, Owen and I are in a uh, fantasy football league with some of our friends, and um, there was one year that one of our friends based his draft picks purely on the dollar amount of the contracts of the players. So he was literally like drafting players who weren't going to be playing because they were at the end of these massive contracts. And it was like clearly a terrible strategy. And he still like did pretty good that season. And it infuriated me. (laughs) So tangent, tangent over. That's kind of Belgium though, right? The golden generation that we've talked about is kind of the tinfoil generation. And I just don't think they win this game. Uh, you know, all of the pressure is on them because yeah. a tie doesn't send them through. Yep. Um, you know, the tie keeps them at really negative goal differential. So unless Canada spanks the life out of Morocco, then Belgium doesn't go through with a tie. So Belgium has to win this game, which means that it's going to open up and you have a tactician like Luka Modric in the midfield that can take advantage of that. So I like Croatia to actually win this game and not mm-hmm. just play for the draw and go through top of this group. And I like Morocco to win their game, which means that yeah. you're going to have two teams on seven points, which is crazy. So, Yeah, I um, I said I was leaning Belgium, but I think as far as an actual prediction goes, I would call it a tie. I think, um, I think there's a very real chance that Morocco tops the group because of, uh, because of these last matchups. But, um, but I do think it's going to be Morocco and Croatia going through. Yeah, I do too. So second set of games tomorrow is Group E. So you have Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany. Uh, And just kind of what's at stake there, if we look at their group, Spain Mm -hmm. sitting in first place on four, Japan on three, Costa Rica is on three, but you could sort of, if you put it in baseball terms or football terms, they're they're kind of half a game back essentially. Yeah. because their goal differential, even though they're tied on points with Japan, is negative six to Japan's zero. Yep. That's a huge goal swing. So one thing I do want to say real quick, we actually almost saw the FIFA Fair Play come in to play today as the tiebreak. I don't know if you tracked this. I didn't. Tell me. But Poland, Mexico. So Poland and Mexico were tied oh, yeah. on points at the end of the day. But there was a time at which Poland was down 2-0 against Argentina, therefore on zero, and Mexico was up 2-0 on Saudi Arabia, and therefore at zero. Both with two goals for, both with two goals against. Man. And Poland would have gone through on FIFA fair play. Okay. I'm glad it didn't come to that. Saudi Arabia <laughs> went out and scored a goal on Mexico late in the game, but very close to coming through to FIFA fair play number of yellow cards uh, that, that almost sent Mexico home in this group. I don't think we're going to get there because Costa Rica has such a negative goal differential, right? Uh, Germany. We talked about earlier in the week is still favored to go through in this group in second place over Japan, even though Germany is sitting on one point. Yep. Uh, I guess the logic there being that they play Costa Rica in that final match. They're going to score. So, so who do you, who do you like here? Who? Um, yeah, I mean, it's another tough one just based on, I mean, I say recent form, but recent form is like two games, um, because of this middle of the middle of the club seasons world cup. Um, I mean, hundred percent Spain and kind of a toss up on this Costa Rica, Germany, um, Costa Rica, Germany game. I mean, I love the German team. I would like them to give, I'm, my heart says Germany, but, um, but my yeah. mind's telling me yes. My, uh, my, uh, heritage tells me Germany, but, um, 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's a toss-up. So I do think Germany wins here. Um, I, you know, Japan could sit in against Spain. We saw Germany defend Spain really well. They were on the back foot most of that game. Um, and they defended really effectively. Japan could do the same thing here. I also just, I think Japan's going to really push for this. I think they I have do. to when I'm looking at the table. Like, I don't think a draw. I mean, they could play them. for a tie. They could play for a tie. They could play for a tie. And it would be, it would be okay because it'd give them good odds. You know, if you play for a tie, as long as, as long as Germany doesn't win by, by what, two nil or more. No, it looks then, like if Germany wins it all, Germany goes through over a tied Japan. Oh, yeah, on, on goal differential. Yeah, on goals four. Yeah. Well, yeah, so they, a tie doesn't help you that much. Right. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so looking at this, goal differential, Japan at zero, Germany at minus one. Um, a tie, I mean, I guess if, I mean, I guess if it's like a three, three tie, then all of a sudden Japan right. has more goals for, but that's not what I was thinking when I had tie in mind and sitting deep. Um, so yeah, I think they, I think Japan needs to go for it. Um, yeah, I think Spain is safe. Spain is safe. Um, yeah, I, I mean, any tie situation for Japan, I think they have to be thinking Germany's going to win and Germany's going to score. Um, enough to beat them on goal differential. So, yeah, I think they have to be pretty aggressive. Um, so that's another wrinkle in the whole thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other part too, we talked about, I, I talked about earlier in the week, Tunisia upsetting France. It, it's not unrealistic to think that Costa Rica could beat Germany. We've seen Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in this tournament. Uh, Costa Rica is an opponent that I'm not sure Germany has played. If you line up these generations against each other, um, they've, I mean, they've probably played historically, but, but probably not these sets of players. And so there is something to be said about familiarity and, and being able to, to know some of the tendencies of some of the players you see on the field. And I just, I don't know that the Germany team has familiarity with any of these Costa Rican players. So there could be a little wrinkle in there and Costa Rica, you know, they're, they're going to also, they're going to swing for the fences here too, because they have to get six points because of their negative goal differential. Four points really will not help them at all. So, um, you know, they, they may, they may come out and just go for it, which means Germany might hang up six on them. Who knows? But, um, you know, they may, they may sneak a win in Costa Rica's historically played the U S very, very well too. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how those those games play out. I like the result of Germany winning here and going through as well. My heart says Japan. I'd love to see Spain Japan here. Um, it, what I'd really love to see is is Japan Costa Rica. I think that would be awesome. Uh huh. That's not going to happen. Uh, definitely don't bet the mortgage on that one. But yeah, I, I mean, th I think it's going to be Spain Germany here. It's not the most outrageous. Costa Rica just has to win. And then we're expecting Spain to beat Japan. It's not a it's not a crazy thing to say. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Listen. Right. Yep. Today. So I. Today. Yeah. Tell me. Today I feel Costa Rica. Today I feel Germany. Today I feel. Okay foreign immigrant <laughs> today i felt australia mm. and they came through for me in a big way so on that note i just want to say one of our australian fans reached out stop yep yep one of our australian fans reached out and didn't just not just an australian fan an australian fan who lives near and follows the Central Coast Mariners, which is the team that Garang Coel was signed by Newcastle from Get and out played here. out the last few months. Does he know him? Are they friends? He he should know. He should know him. But I just no, want to give I mean, a like shout personally. out. To big, big, big doggy, big doggy. If you know him personally, please let us know. We'd love to have him on the show. Uh, I mean, hell, we'd, we'd love to have you on the show. In fact, <laughs> if 
if the U.S. plays Australia, we will have as many Australians on the show as we possibly can because I can only imagine the parties that are happening in Australia right now, even though it's like the middle of a work day at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's awesome because they showed, they showed some pictures from like downtown Sydney at 4.30 in the morning after the game ended and people are like throwing beers at each other. So best party in the world. Uh, and I wish I wish I could be there for that. So go Australia. The Socceroos are my number two team. I think I've been very public about that. Yeah, not bashful. I did at pick all. the Netherlands. Not bashful at all. I did. I did pick the Netherlands as my dark horse. So that'll be interesting to see because I love America more than I love my dark horse, and I love my Socceroos more than I love my dark horse. And so, you know, do I really lose if the U.S. plays Australia in the quarterfinals? It feels impossible to lose. You can't lose. If America's in the quarterfinals, you haven't lost. If they're playing against Australia, I've actually won. Yeah, it's a big win. It's a big win for all of us. For the English-speaking world. For for prisoners everywhere. (laughs) Prisoners and exiles everywhere. We've won. Um, I also just want to take a moment to kind of try to put my uh you know my fingerprints on mainstream society so allow me to pull up my soapbox here in the game yesterday christian pulisic was injured and he was injured scoring an incredible goal for that game and all over news and media outlets we have been calling it a pelvic contusion can we please normalize male genitalia in our conversation around injuries, the dude took a nut shot of the highest order and he went to the hospital. It was such a bad nut shot. Uh-huh. The man was kicked in his penis. He was kneed in his penis at full speed. Ow. So the whole area is struggling right now. But when I think of pelvis, I don't think, I don't think of my you know, my, my penis. So if we could just, if we could kind of normalize that a little bit, I would really appreciate it uh, going forward. So you know, from here on out, because the soccer is through, I'm going to start using the hashtag. It's called soccer. And I'm going to start using the hashtag normalize the word penis. You're, you're welcome to do that. Um, I'm going to probably unfollow at that point. I think the <laughs> podcast maybe has run its course, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> back when I was a younger man, uh, I would have I referred to that as uh, going balls to the wall. And I think that the phrase is pretty <laughs> fitting. Let's be honest. He went balls to the wall and scored the goal. Balls to the wall. So I, I saw the comment yesterday that, you know, Christian Pulisic may never have children. But the celebrations that are happening as a result of his goal will produce many children. So, you know, he sacrificed his own biology to, you know, further, uh, further America. So yeah, it's like, uh, it's like father Abraham had many sons kind of thing. And, um, (laughs) Christian Pulisic's goal (laughs) had many sons. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We're all, we're all his children now. That's right. In a more meaningful well, way. Well, in a deeper way. In a more meaningful way. In a deep, yes, absolutely. So here's here's what we can promise. Tomorrow night we're going to do a very quick episode just recapping the the day's games and and looking forward to the final round 3 games. Uh we'll have the full bracket laid out before us for all of the elimination games by Friday around lunchtime. And we will be on to the round of 16 with the US kicking off at 9 a.m on saturday is that 9 a.m central josh or is that 9 a.m eastern 9 central 9 a.m central 10 a.m eastern boom okay i've got to call a bunch of people because i invited like 40 people over for breakfast and i told them to kick off at eight o'clock so i've really got to go change that now because (laughs) i'm gonna get to sleep like an extra 30 minutes so oh yeah that's important but we'll have all of the round of 16 games decided and on the calendar come Friday at noon. So we'll do a quick episode tomorrow, recapping tomorrow's games as well as looking forward to Friday's games. And then hopefully 
we're just going to be doing recap episodes of how awesome the U.S. is doing. In Australia. And Australia. Mostly Australia. Because they're both going to play on Saturday. So Saturday is really the, the podcast to listen to. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh and yeah. I think we can't let this episode go by without saying, uh, you know, go out there, Iranian people, and get your freedom. Just get your freedom. Snatch it. Snatch I also it from those I, who would take I, it from I don't, you. I I don't know how. There was there were several women in the stands for this Iran game. <laughs> Easy against the U.S. Easy. That that were. How do you say? Uh... How you say not? <laughs> uh, well, they, they just you know. I think you guys get it. I think I, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. I think I know what you're trying to say. Um, yeah. yeah. They kept showing they kept showing the fans at that game and I kept thinking why did they steal no. Mexico's flag's colors? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> Do they think that... It was an extraordinary I just I'm going to say this because it actually made me a little bit angry. It was an extraordinarily pro Iran crowd. Oh, Which yeah. sure we're in the Middle East, I get it. That's fine. You know, whatever. We all hate America. That's fine. Um, I grew up overseas. Like I, there are a lot of things that I criticize about American foreign policy. Great, but when did they start allowing the Vuvuzelas back into the stadiums? And why was it only at this game? And why were they only blowing them when the U.S. had the ball? It made me so mad. It was deafening. You could tell the players could not hear each other on the field. Because uh-huh. they allowed a thousand Vuvuzelas back in that stadium. Like I thought we were past this. Yeah. Probably not. I I don't know what to say about that. I mean what what can you say, really? Um who is it? It was one of our friends that was texting us about uh one of the coaches for Iran putting on a, a bib and running up the sidelines like he was warming up yeah. but he's like actually no, just I, coaching. Yeah, I I sent that text. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the coaches put on a put on a war rub bib and ran down the sideline. Like the dude has a full gray mane. Yeah, a player. Yep, ran down the sideline and gave gave coaching instruction to the players. It's like you keep this is cheating. This is actual cheating. But whatever, freedom prevailed. Yep, United States on. Freedom prevailed. Australia is on. Man, that's freedom. all that matters. Freedom, freedom, free. Listen, Owen. I don't get Let freedom ring from the mountains of Lookout Mountain. Whoa, <laughs> we're not yeah. uh, we're not giving away any personal information here. So listen, I don't I don't get like too emotional, but I just need to say that if tomorrow all the things were gone that I worked for all my life, and I had to start again with just my my children and my wife, I think my lucky stars to be living here today. Because the flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American or Australian. Where Where at least I I know I'm I'm free. And I won't. And we're going to sign off on that note. Thank you, Josh. And on that very disappointing bombshell, we will end.